The Scream Kings are in no way responsible for any encounters with the paranormal, extraterrestrial abductions, eldritch insanity, hauntings, curses, hexes, demonic possessions, cryptozoological sightings, or any loss of sleep that may result from listening to this podcast. This is the Scream Kings podcast. I am Max George. And I'm Nathaniel Darkish. Yeah, it's sort of a crazy podcast. It only happens every 90 years. Special ceremonies and drinking and dressing up. Sounds like fun. Dun dun dun! We're finally here! We waited so long for this moment. Yes, we have been very excited for this movie ever since we heard it was going to be made. And I guess if you weren't able to tell by that opener, it is Midsummer, the second film directed by our Lord and Savior, Ari Aster. May (laughs) he guide us this day. (laughs) May he uh, take us to the still waters of horror. May we be baptized in his horror glory. I don't know. That sounds weird. I'm sorry, Ari. Yeah, (laughs) this is going to a place I'm not super comfortable with. We'll probably have a new shirt, though, so that's cool. Okay, okay. (laughs) Um, I'm very excited to talk about this movie. It's crazy. It's trippy. It's weird. It's horrific. It's unsettling. it's, It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I've had a hard time even processing exactly how I feel about it. Same. In the, I guess, week and a couple of days now that uh, since we watched it. It's it's a movie that, I, like, honestly, even though we're recording now, I still feel like I might have to let like myself stew to really fully develop uh, a full opinion for another, I don't know, month or two. <laughs> and I had the pleasure of, after we watched it, I went straight to my part-time job being a security guard for a hotel. And I was there till 3 a.m. just walking around ruminating and ruminating and ruminating about this movie. I mean, Ari Aster does it again. And we'll kind of get into if it's on the same caliber as Hereditary. But regardless, Hereditary aside, this is an iconic horror movie and people are going to be talking about it for a real long time. I agree. I feel like its style and and everything that, that he did with this movie is very unique for the most part and there's definitely some some places where you can kind of see where it 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 took some it it took inspiration from other pieces but for the most part it's very unique it's very um unlike most other horror i've ever seen and so i think it even if it maybe doesn't uh stand up necessarily as, as like the best horror movie i've ever seen um, I still feel like it's it's very well made, and it's going to be a, a piece that is going to, yeah, resonate with people for a long time, or people are at least going to watch it and think about it and and have a hard time necessarily even as developing opinions because it is such a powerful piece that kind of there's just a lot to take in. And if you just do some Google searches about Midsummer, the internet is absolutely raving about the movie. I don't know if I've seen one review. Um, that has had a lot of negative things to say. Yeah, there's some stuff out there, and we're going to talk about a few things that we weren't too happy with, thought could be different. But overall, I'd say 85 to 90% of the reviews that I've seen have been 
extremely positive. Yeah, it's it's definitely been very well received. I think on Rotten Tomatoes, it's comparable to like its pre- uh, predecessor. Let's see what it's at. 83% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes versus, I'm just curious now, 89% for Hereditary. So yeah, like it's it's right around the same level of, of well, uh, of, of positive reception. And yeah, like regardless of, you know, if this is a movie that's for you or not, there's going to be something that, that you can take away from it that, as, as being, you know, impressive uh, in terms of its, of its filmmaking at, at the very least. Let's dive into some of the good points about this movie. And the first thing I kind of want to mention is that a lot of the elements that Ari Aster used for Midsummer are based in fact. A lot of these kind of creepy, weird ceremonies that they do throughout the entire movie, primarily kind of the maypole, the big cross-like feature that you see in the movie, this is all very historical and all very real. These kinds of festivals exist out there. They're not quite as extreme as what we see in this movie with people being forced into caved out bear carcasses and being set on fire. Um, But a lot of kind of that natural uh, worship, the earth with these traditions is very authentic and very real. And you could feel that through the movie. There wasn't any time during the movie where I kind of was like, "Mm, that's not right. Or, uh, I don't believe that this is actually real. It, it felt authentic. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, the the Harga, especially as a, as a community and, and, like, their traditions, their rituals, their beliefs, it felt very real. It felt, I mean, it was very grounded in, in a lot of, like, pagan beliefs and, and things that, that are, I guess, less prevalent in modern society, but... When you're watching it, you you can tell that Ari Aster did his research of like what these kinds of groups looked like or or do look like now, and and what they do, how they how kind of their what their way of life is. It's you know it's it's a very you know naturalist commune side of things, but there's also the powerful like religious and and ceremonial aspects of of the group as well. And so I feel like the the Harga is is one of the more impressive communities or uh religious groups i've i've seen portrayed in film just because it is yeah so full of of interesting detail that feels very grounded in uh existing traditions and if ari aster is good at one thing it's doing his research we saw this come through when we watched hereditary about payment and all the the demonology and it was the that exact same caliber with the Harga and the Midsummer Festivals. It was it was breathtaking, honestly, to see that much of detail coming through a horror movie, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And probably my most favorite thing about this movie was the dichotomous feel it had when you compare this versus Hereditary, and I feel like you. You can't not do that. If you're a fan of Hereditary, then you watch Midsummer, and there's this almost weird, subconscious, subtle relationship between the two. Oh, for I, sure. And what I mean by that is Hereditary is all dark. A lot of the scenes are set in the dark. The ending is set in the dark. It's all about supernatural entities. It's about these family turmoil Uh, this very very dark kind of atmosphere the entire movie 
and when then we get to midsummer and it's set in the daylight and it's about romantic relationships and religion all of these very symbolic light themes and it's almost like and and life and renewal and yeah yeah it's like the the same coin but two different sides i was talking to someone at work about it and i was like you know midsummer is the beautiful child and hereditary is the ugly child i was blown away by that those subtleties and just the complete dichotomy of the two movies and even talking about it now i'm like getting these emotions and these feels because it's so incredible how he pulled it off yeah and and even you know looking at some of the elements like the the harga are performing these rituals to you know i guess drive away an evil one you know drive away the demonic and and the dark things in the world while in hereditary it's the opposite they're doing all of these rituals to uh invite it it's 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 basically the exact opposite of hereditary a lot of the same kinds of things happen but the end goal is so opposite you know a, a family is getting destroyed in hereditary while in um midsummer we're having you know someone who is joining a new family in a twisted sort of way it's very yeah, just everything is is such a, a strange um, polar opposite, but they 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 definitely speak to each other. I I would say you know it it's hard to have a conversation about the film without having a conversation about both films. I would completely agree, completely agree. And that's not and and I'm saying that not just because we're obsessed with Hereditary, but because it's just how. It's just the nature of the beast, regardless of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we are a hereditary fan podcast, so we will be talking about it. Yeah, I think we have carte blanche this time. I think another really cool aspect that I saw through it was hereditary was all about supernatural horror, the creation of this demon, bringing that into somebody. And Midsummer is all about the horror that humans are capable of, and especially cults and religions and the dark side of those light entities and the damage and the pain that they can cause and even if it's something that you don't understand entirely and i'm referring to the scene where the two old people are on top of the cliff and they fall off because that's kind of part of the life cycle of this cult is that when you get to a certain age you essentially kill yourself to let new generations come i i struggled with that part in the movie because one side of me wanted to say oh this is the anthropology of this cult and this is their custom and their ritual so it is okay but then that other side is like no these two people just killed themselves in front of everyone i i was split with that and it mm-hmm. i really think that was done intentionally and to show you, again, the shadow that some of these light entities that exist in the world, cults, religions, whatever you want to call it, can cast on people. And mm-hmm. it's a very profound thought if you really kind of chew into that of, you know, how many religions out there, how many cults profess to do wonderful things, but behind the scenes, they're doing atrocious stuff. But we give them a pass because it's historical or it's tradition or it's for the greater good whatever you want to call it yeah and and i also feel like it's it's really interesting because like you mentioned like from an anthropological perspective you're fascinated 
And so I think that was one of the, the strongest points of the film was that it, it kept you fascinated the entire time. You know, you, you had to see what happened next, not necessarily for the same reason that you do for a lot of other horror movies. You know, a lot of times you, you know, you, you have to know what happens next because you have to know who survives. Or you have to see the crazy kill or whatever it is in, in a horror movie. But in this one, you had to see more of, of what made this cult a cult. And yeah, so it, it kept you fascinated even while it did things that appalled you. To complement everything, the cinematography of this movie, breathtaking. Oh, for sure. Some of the images are just stunning because it, I don't know, it's such a beautiful horror movie. And we've said that in the past, but really, this is some of the scenes. Um, Danny's character at the very end, this regal floral gown that she's wearing that is just composed of actual flowers it blew my mind it was so beautiful so beautiful but again i was unsettled and horrified at the same time i was so confused yeah i mean it it was i think that was the point it it was showing that even the most beautiful things can be deadly or sinister or evil and and i think you know kind of the the point of that is, is saying that you know even something as wonderful and good as as a as the idea of family can be perverse and horrifying or whatever i mean because yeah it kept coming back to that theme of family where and this is going to go to the beginning of the film you know we have danny whose family is killed by her sister who is in a extremely depressive phase of her bipolar disorder yeah, she kills herself and the two parents in a very chilling way, you know, with uh, the, the carbon monoxide poisoning. And so the parents die peacefully. She dies with it, like, taped to her face, and it's gross and horrifying and uh, an image that sticks with me in, in ways I don't like. Um, agreed. Agreed. It was something so simple, but it, it left that lasting effect, and it was horrifying to see those tubes, like, duct taped to... The face. Oh, I don't know. That's crazy. Ugh. But but I, I love how, you know, this this thing that, that Danny should find support from, especially, you know, with her pretty crappy relationship and, and all of that, that that she's dealing with, mental illnesses that she's personally dealing with. She doesn't have that because that family's taken away by one of her family members. And so that good is taken away. Part of her family destroys her family. And then she is looking for a new family, basically. She doesn't realize it at the beginning, but you know that's that's kind of what she starts doing with the Harga. And so by the end, she's willing to, it, at least that's how I interpreted the ending, that she's willing to do these horrible things with them uh, if that means that she has a family now. Well, and I, I also want to take it one step further and also say that you know, we've talked about religions, we've talked about cults, we've talked about family, all being good things, but casting this very malicious shadow. It also touched on romance, that sometimes love is not pretty. A lot of or relationship, healthy. essentially every relationship we saw in this movie was twisted and dark and had a nefarious purpose. Man, talking about it is making me love it more. I want to <laughs> watch it again. Ugh. I also felt that a lot of the scenes were very raw, very unsettling. I wouldn't say it was horrific, like Hereditary was. It didn't have that kind of exorcist shock horror, like when we saw the mom of Hereditary crawling on all fours through the air, 
kind of in the shadows and it freaked us out a lot. This was that unsettling kind of clench your fists, wait for the next moment to breathe. Yeah, well, and and I, like I said before, what it did is it, it made you uncomfortable with your fascination. It made you feel like maybe I'm a monster for being okay with this or, or not necessarily being okay with it, but by being interested in this. Is it okay that... I just watch this horrifying thing and, and my reaction is like, huh, that's really fascinating from like this perspective and this perspective. Right, right. Um, something I really appreciated and you're probably just going to laugh and giggle is Danny's boyfriend, Christian, had a full frontal nudity scene. A male nudity scene. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated this because there's such stigma and this weird stereotype in cinema in general that women can be nude and that's fine but don't you dare ever show a penis um and so ari kind of pushed the line a little bit and we saw quite a bit of full frontal nudity on christian and i that shocked me a little bit i was kind of like oh my goodness they're going for it way to go (laughs) But, but also again that that unsettling feeling well, that was in Hereditary, too. Yeah, but not like this. This was full daylight. In Hereditary, it was very dark. We only saw bits and snippets. We had a good, like, four or five minutes of his penis. It was That's a good, true. It was a good-looking penis, too, if I have to say. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm glad you're satisfied with that. <laughs> but again, I just kind of felt like Ari Aster was breaking through stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, and really kind of pushed the line a little bit and people will probably be upset about it but i am not one of those people well and i think also that it was showing that his his i'd say his commitment to the authenticity of of like the rituals and and all of that like that was a, a big part of that kind of ritual he leaned into that he, he leaned into it being as anthropologically accurate as possible when yeah like a, a cult whatever they're not going to care if if that's part of the rituals that make up their religion there was a lot of drug elements in the movie that at first i didn't love because it kind of clouded me watching the movie if what was really happening but as i kind of thought about it more i feel like this was done very intentionally and it makes sense you know drugs and these psychedelic trips are very important in these kind of communities and these kind of festivals yeah, and and it definitely made the experience with the characters a shared experience because you as a as a viewer had a hard time understanding what was going on sometimes and and at the same time that the characters were because of those. I will say about that that I didn't love that he kind of did some of the like weird wavy screen stuff that that you always see. Agreed. I felt like sometimes he he used it in ways that was interesting. Uh, for example, during the uh, feast scene after um, Danny is, is crowned the uh, Summer Queen. May Queen. May Queen. That's the word. Yeah, when she's crowned May Queen, I thought that was interesting because it did some really interesting things like in the woods behind everything, which is something that I've been thinking about a lot. As the camera pans over and, and you know everything is kind of warped a little bit because of uh, the drugs that are in play and all of that, there's a brief moment where you see what looks very distinctly almost like a giant troll face in the woods. And so things like that, like, I really liked because that was, you know, everything was a little off. 
Uh, sometimes, you know, things looked more sinister for a second, and and then it went back to normal. So that approach was fine, but I felt like early on when, when you know, they're doing the, the drugs before they actually go to the uh, community, I don't know, it just felt kind of like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas style drug imagery, <laughs> as opposed to some of the deliberate, confusing, trippy stuff that, that was used later. I can definitely understand that, and... I think it kind of evolved as it went, and maybe the drugs were just getting better. Yeah, that's probably part of it. <laughs> um, what did you think about the humor in the movie? It's got a lot of good reviews about the humor. Um, so, I actually didn't love its use of humor for the most part. Same. I felt like there were times where it worked, um, especially kind of more early on in the film. But... A lot of the humor was less funny to me. It's it's kind of that like weird dramedy humor that oh, there are some dramedy films that I really like, and there's some that I really just am bored during. And I felt like a lot of that humor kind of felt more like the the boring dramedy to me, you know, where it's 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 funny because I'm uncomfortable and not funny for any other reason. And I felt like since the horror was based on me being uncomfortable too. I just, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't love it. I didn't find it very funny most of the time. And I felt like there's also times where scenes were kind of played up in a way that felt like it was for laughs when they should have been leaning into kind of like the, the horror of a scene. Uh, for example, uh, during the uh, ritualized sex scene. Yeah, it, it, it felt like that was played for laughs. And I felt like that felt out of place just for, for what was happening there. I think I would disagree with you. I think the audience that we saw it with added to that a little bit. I think if we were to rewatch it, just you and me, that would have a little bit more sinister feel. I was actually quite annoyed with our audience because they were chuckling and giggling as, as the sex scene went on. And that took away a lot of it for me. I, I did not think that scene was intended to be humorous at all. I don't know. I actually kind of did. And yeah, who knows? We'll have to tweet Ari Aster and then interview him and also send us, send him locks of our hair. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> not in the context of this movie. Because <laughs> I'm afraid oh, of what hair you'd oh be no. sending. Oh no, I forgot about that part. Oh boy. Oh, pubic hair. Oh Lord. Lord have mercy. Let's move on. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ari. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I I know in the past I've commented on movies that don't explain everything as being pain points for me. This was one of those movies that I was okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously wanted more, but the intention to not give you that was very well executed. I felt comfortable leaving the theater being, you know, okay, I don't know everything, and I'm okay with that. They did what they needed to do. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think the point was necessarily knowing every detail of, of how everything worked and, and why they were doing what they were doing. The The point of the movie was kind of more like the experience of, of being disoriented by it, so. Um, overall, I think it's a beautiful, terrifying movie. I think if you're a horror newbie and you've only seen The Conjurings and you may have seen The Exorcist... <laughs> You probably won't love this movie as much as, say, someone like us who eat, sleep, and breathe horror. Is that a fair judgment? Yeah, this definitely isn't a popcorn horror movie. It's definitely more for, I think, a, the hardcore audience. I don't think it's necessarily even a movie strictly for 
fans of horror. Um, I think it, people can appreciate it if they are fans of skillful filmmaking, regardless. But okay. it is constructed in a very different sort of way than a blockbuster film. So I think people should know that going in. If if they're expecting, you know, slashery kills or anything like that, that's not what this is. It You know, it's, it's something completely different. And I think the biggest testament to the caliber of the movie is after you watch it, it really sits with you. And like we've mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we've been thinking about it almost nonstop because it it leaves you with something and it wants you want more and you think about it and you think about it and you can't figure it out so you keep thinking about it and then you remember random weird parts and it just stays with you in the best kind of ways you know hereditary terrified me i ended up burning white sage in my house after i saw it this movie it kind of made me feel edified in a way um i caught myself thinking about it in random places throughout my day and i i really appreciate that when it comes to movies Mm. i I hope it gets nominated at least for some sort of an award it won't win because you know (laughs) but i really think it's a good movie and deserves the recognition i agree do you have a favorite part i really appreciated the scene where the two elderly participants of the cult i don't really know what to call them uh cultists they harga (laughs) they kind of seem to give off a priest and priestess type of a vibe when they killed themselves the gore in that moment ari really went for it i mean you see caved in faces no screen cuts so you are left wondering about the gore it was all out there and so for me that was actually tied with the sex scene I really got terrified in the sex scene. I thought it was incredibly creepy, incredibly perverted in a way. And I hate using that word because it's a cult and they have their own customs. And that's that anthropology, sociology side of me. But it felt wrong. And I think that came through in how they presented it. So those two parts, I think, for me were the best. You? For me, I really liked the scene where it revealed uh, the sister had killed the parents because you kind of suspected something. Oh, yeah. But just, yeah, the slow pan away from the dead parents going to the, the taped door, uh, you know, tur- and then, yeah, slowly panning over to the sister with the tube uh, taped to her face, you know, connected to the carbon monoxide from the car. Oh, it was it was brutal and terrifying and like i said it's it's an image that like really gets under your skin and and i like the ways that it like came back up throughout the movie especially during some kind of like the trippy or dream sequence kind of stuff that kind of the imagery of, of the taped tube kept coming back and ugh, it was rough but it was impressive because it is such grounded in reality horror you know that's the kind of thing that really does happen and to see it so horrifyingly honest was nice which is a weird thing to say (laughs) but it it was i i feel like it shows how horrifying that kind of thing actually is to 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 walk in on or or to witness would you consider that to be the scariest part of the movie as well yes but that's because it it kind of fits more within the conventional scares while the rest of the movie like like we mentioned before, it didn't really 
scare me so much as it as it left me uncomfortable. And so that was a case where I felt like I, I was actually scared as opposed to just like deeply unsettled. So, yeah, I can definitely see that. For me, I think the scariest part was actually just the entire end of the movie when Danny becomes May Queen up till the very, very end. I just thought it went from like 50 to 80 miles an hour in the best kind of way and really just hit on some crazy, crazy stuff. Okay, so I guess let's get into the stuff that we didn't like about it as much. Yeah, um, it's not perfect. I, for once, again, I feel like I'm becoming the pacing king I need to find a movie that has perfect pace. As the gold standard. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. After Danny's parents are killed by her sister, I felt like it lost a ton of energy until we actually got to the Midsummer Festival. It really slows down. And at one point I was like, am I bored? I don't think so, but maybe. And I didn't like it. I did not like that. I agree. Um, I felt like, especially there were there were certain scenes where like we kind of knew stuff already, and it would kind of just like hit you with those things again. Uh, for example, when Christian is talking to his buddies and is like, "So she's coming, but she's not really coming, but you know she's coming," and and like they're kind of like reacting to like, "Oh, she, you know, she might actually come." Is you know, kind of what what you can see is going on through their heads. It spent a lot of time with their reactions and and them kind of like, "Oh, well, oh, okay," and. I felt like I got too much of, of necessarily his friend's opinion of Danny. I just felt like a lot of those those scenes I kind of got hit over the head with just because I, I got it again and again and again and again. Especially Mark. I, I get it. Mark hates Danny. Mark was my least favorite character out of everybody. He I agree. Really, he really got obnoxious in the latter half of the entire movie. And we, we both made this comment on our notes is that the humor, it was good to an extent there came a point where humor took away from a lot of the horror i think and mark's character primarily was the catalyst for that i agree uh, especially because like i felt like some of the things he did were too like cartoonish in a lot of ways like the fact that he peed on the tree and stuff like that and then it was like no i'm, I'm fine like i didn't know like i don't know he it just he he seemed almost too cartoonishly apathetic about everything like no i'm i'm, I'm good the other characters seem to be very respectful of the customs. They were doing this as kind of a PhD thesis research experiment. And I don't really understand what Mark's purpose was. It was just to go get, you know, do a bunch of drugs and, you know, sleep with as many women as possible. And, like, I, I'm okay with that being the character's motivations. Right. But the thing was that he was just, like, way too insensitive to, like, all of the rituals and all of the stuff. Like, in a way that it didn't feel... I don't know, it felt like a weird cartoon of, of you know what Americans do in other countries as opposed to like a real life person. Yes, exactly what I'm trying to get at. Like, if this was a real life situation, you would smack that friend real quick. It's like yeah. going to Notre Dame and they're telling you, please don't take pictures of the inside of the cathedral. And you have that friend who's just like, eh, I'm not going to do that. And you whip out your phone and start taking pictures of the inside of the cathedral. He just aggravated me incessantly also he has the world's most punchable face agreed who is that actor we need to know um will poulter i'm sorry will but you got a punchy face yeah it's it's real bad but yeah i, I just agree going back to the pacing it just it, it did take a while to before anything substantial happened um even you know once they were in sweden and and were going 
to the festival, like even just the time where they, you know, where from where they park the car before they actually walk into the Harga community was way too long. Yep. Like when they're just like doing drugs on the hill and stuff. It was so long. Not only was it long, I felt like it wasn't needed at all. It yeah. Very superfluous and very just kind of i don't know unwarranted we didn't need that for any reason and there was the one scene where danny kind of was tripping on whatever medic drugs she was on i almost said medication because i have that's my job (laughs) (laughs) they're not drugs in my business they're medication and when she was tripping on shrooms yeah (laughs) yeah she went into the bathroom and kind of sees this weird almost charles manson figure kind of flash in the mirror and then i never caught who that person was throughout the rest of the movie yeah that kind of went nowhere i felt like it was just like a weird misdirect but it just didn't work for the movie and i appreciate a good misdirect but that misdirect has to tie in somewhere else in the movie yeah like i honestly forgot about the the flash in the mirror until you brought it up again you know in hereditary they have those subtle demonology symbols throughout the entire movie that you don't really know what they're for but the camera is definitely focusing on them so you know they're important but again it's kind of a misdirect it's kind of this random scene that you don't know what's going on so i'm gonna forget about it and then at the end it it ties it all together and i guess i just i didn't get that with that weird mirror scene i was hoping it was a demon and it wasn't i also felt while we're on the topic of mark I feel like a lot of the side characters in this show weren't really fleshed out entirely. I thought Danny was beautiful and her acting was superb. I thought her character was great. We understood the pain she was going through. We wanted to see her succeed. I didn't really care about anybody else. That's that's fair. And I mean, I don't think we were supposed to like the others necessarily. I don't know. It 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 just was frustrating because like and, and, and like, I think we were supposed to actively dislike Christian, which is fine. And also probably actively dislike Mark. I didn't really know how I, I was supposed to feel about uh, Josh. He was just kind of there to, I guess, push Christian's buttons about being a slacker. Pele was an interesting character, I thought. Pele, though, is kind of the... The bait. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted more of him. I felt like there was a lot of sinister intent there that we really didn't get to dissect at all yeah i I kept being really fascinated by him when when he would like have those talks with danny and and it was you know where where he had those like very personal moments with her and was like yeah like i relate to like losing parents uh my i lost my parents in a fire which like kind of makes i wonder if his parents died in in the same like the ritual fire or what's going on there maybe but hard to say he felt like he had like the richest backstory that i didn't get and I mean, what I got was really fascinating and, and kind of drew me into the story more. So I appreciated him as a character, but I definitely wanted a little bit more. Once we know that he lured them there to basically be sacrifices, I just wanted to, to know like whether he was sincere or not, like with him being excited about Danny being the May Queen and that kind of stuff. I just thought that would was interesting to know. I kind of got the same vibes from Christian. I really appreciated his character in the beginning, but then he kind of just turned into this toxic symbol for all bad boyfriends who've ever existed. Some of his actions felt a little contrived, like stealing Josh's thesis 
out of nowhere. I felt like that came from left field a little bit. He was a little too obvious about like his dislike for Danny and all that kind of stuff. It it was frustrating just because like I I I had a hard time believing that even her in her emotional state that she was in wouldn't have realized that he just like had no interest in her as a person and yeah he he just felt slightly over the top to me i wanted him to be a little bit more subtle a little bit more i don't know divided about how he felt about things but he was just he was pretty flat i can get that i can definitely understand that one thing that i really was disappointed at is josh meets with one of the elders of the community the cult (laughs) and they talk about harga they talk about how their scripture is developed and they mention about this kind of inbreeding to get a child who has special needs and then that special needs child finger paints and then they take those finger paints and they analyze them and they pull symbols out and that's their scripture and we got these flashes of this kind of special needs character but there was nothing else to it and i thought that was really cool and really original but it it was like a carrot that was dangled that was just forgotten about I agree, especially because, like, that character was briefly shown in the trailer, and, and it was, you know, hit with the weird swollen lips and everything, and you're like, ugh, like, what? Because I, I thought it was just one of the other characters who had, you know, had something bad happen to him, like a horrible bee sting or something. Yeah, the fact that, like, that that's how that character looks, and, and he, you know, is just kind of, yeah, occasionally in, in the background of some scenes, finger painting or whatever. Yeah, I just wanted a little bit more. I wanted a little bit more of what kind of things are are being written in the scripture what what sort of things it invites them to do or not do how it affects their religion that was yeah definitely a big carrot that i really wanted to know more about and i wanted it to be important to the movie and it just ended up not being really agreed so again it's not a perfect movie there was a lot with it that didn't really hit do you want to talk about how we thought there was going to be hereditary tie-in and it kind of fell apart (sighs) yeah well just a couple weeks before the movie came out there was lots of stuff uh online you know related to like some interview that Ari Aster did where he said uh that it was connected to hereditary and I and I looked into it more later and apparently what he specifically said is that it is thematically connected and that he noticed a lot of connections in, in terms of you know probably the stuff that we mentioned before you know kind of how how they fit together in, in sort of like weird op- opposing ways yeah and he noticed that like once he started like really working on the film and and kind of thinking about it there but all of the the ways that all of the websites you know that that were divulging that information presented that was there is at least one connection to uh, hereditary and it's not that they worship payment but you know there's something Along those lines. And, and so you think, okay, there's going to be an in-universe connection. There's going to be a reference to a character or to, you know, the cult of payment maybe or something in the movie to connect them in-universe. But that never happened. And so I spent the whole movie looking for it, found nothing, and then afterwards had to dig deeper and then went, oh, well, that's not really a connection. That's just saying, hey, I was kind of dealing with similar themes here. Yeah, I also was looking through it the entire movie and, like, analyzing every single rune that showed up, hoping that I'd see Payman Sigil somewhere, and was sorely disappointed. My boy Payman was nowhere to be seen. Like, I was fine if, even if it wasn't Payman, but you, 
even if it just like had ref made a passing reference to a demonic cult in the u.s i would have been happy just just that much but it didn't give it to me and that, like if if that wasn't his intention that's fine but all of the promotional materials that kind of are like they're connected basically said to me very clearly they're in the same universe but eh, maybe nothing nothing concrete there I think we've kind of hit on most of the things I didn't love. And again, these these things feel like they're big things that would really impair the movie. But in my opinion, the good incredibly outweighs the bad. It's not a perfect movie, but it is very, very good. Okay, so I guess should we talk about uh, Crowns and Screams then? For me, Crowns, like I just said, it's a fantastic movie. I'm going to stick it with a solid 8 originally i gave it a nine but then i started thinking about hereditary again and just how moved i was with hereditary and i don't have that same gusto for midsummer i don't think we'll be talking about midsummer 10 episodes into the podcast we will still be talking about hereditary 10 episodes into the podcast (laughs) yeah that's very true as far as screams i gave it a seven there's a lot of horror in it but it's not the shock horror it's unsettling it sticks to you it makes you feel uncomfortable but again i worked till 3 a.m after we saw this movie and i was fine i didn't get scared at all in a you know a quiet hotel in the middle of the night for similar reasons i'm going with an eight for crowns i really liked it there are things i didn't like quite as much I can't remember for sure if on the episode I gave Hereditary a 10, but if if not, I'm retrospect or retroactively giving it double 10s. I think we gave it 9-9 nine, because nine we were holding out our 10s for that one movie. Well, that is that one movie. <laughs> it really is. But yeah, so for this one, an 8 on, on the crowns. Uh, for Screams, I'm giving it a 6. It upset me. It didn't scare me very much yeah, i get i get exactly what you're saying yeah with the exception of of the taped on tube <laughs> there wasn't that much about it that that really was frightening to me other than just the the you know kind of a from a logical perspective of that's really upsetting that people would do that i understand you have some information about some of the rooms that appear in the movie Yes. So after watching the movie, I realized how deficient my knowledge is of Nordic runes. <laughs> um, there are so I'm many. So runes. disappointed. I know. I've spent way too much time with my demons, but I have to. My soul is sold to them. So you know, you pick one, you lose one. I was really impressed with Ari Aster's usage of runes. Again, like we've mentioned earlier, he doesn't do anything without the intent already in mind. I don't want to touch on all of the runes that were mentioned, but a few that were really powerful in my mind, I kind of made a mental note, then looked up a bunch of screenshots online and researched the runes and kind of what they symbolized. Um, And again, they all are pertinent to the movie. One of the ones that I was drawn to was the up arrow. It's also known as Tiwaz, Tiwaz. It's actually the rune associated with the god Tyr of Nordic mythology, who's kind of the the god of the sun. Tiwaz was given to Christian right at the very end before the sex scene. And this symbol is a very phallic symbol. It's filled with masculine power and energy. So it's very fitting that this is placed on him before the sexual scene. But it has even deeper meaning with Tyr being a god of the sun. Christian is ends up being encased in a bear carcass and being set on fire. 
obviously fire, light, sun, all of that is connected together. So I thought that was really powerful and really cool. The second set of runes that I investigated a little bit were on the tablet when the elderly cultists killed themselves. There was a series of runes, and the three that I could pick out was an R rune in the center, and this is Roho, and that means a journey or travel. Below that was kind of this inverted fork rune, which is Algis, which means protection and shielding. And then on the side, there was kind of this inverted L shape, which is Fehu, which means fertility and creation, which is really cool because all of that is incorporated in this kind of suicide ritual. They've made this long journey, this long travel in their life. They're killing themselves to protect and shield future generations, and their deaths also lead to creation of new life. So again, it's just so poetic. I love symbols. The last one that I focused in on was at the very end when Christian and everyone else goes into the main temple for the burning suicide scene. And I guess it's not suicide, it's murder. You see two specific runes, Ingus and Eno. Ingus is a cross and Eno is a diamond. And these two runes were overlaid each other. And when these runes are overlaid, it creates a new meaning. And that meaning is a pact or some sort of covenant is formed that will bring fertility and bounty. Which again is really cool because Danny's role as May Queen was to kind of help sow all of the seeds in the fields so that they would have a good crop. And by killing all of these tourists as part of this ritual, they're kind of bringing that into light and the whole kind of meaning of midsummer. Summer, again, you know, vernal equinox, all of this reference to light, all kind of tied up together in a nice little occult bow for me to take with me home. So basically, it was a present specifically made for you. Exactly, Ari Aster. A present made for me. Which is basically true of probably anything that he'll do going forward. <laughs> it's true. I mean, he gave me payment. He gave me this. What do you got next for me, buddy? Well, I think we've talked about mostly everything we wanted to talk about this was a fun episode yeah and uh, again we apologize for it being late but you know holidays and all that crap fourth of july we had to celebrate america Ugh. all right well everyone stay spooky don't join any cults if you're in a talk if you're in a toxic relationship just break up with the person don't burn them in a ritual sacrifice and also, just don't go travel internationally with someone who obviously doesn't like you. All good pieces of advice from the Scream Kings. Stay spooky. Need even more Scream Kings? Here's our obligatory shameless social media plug. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Scream Kings Pod. You could also email us at ScreamKingsPodcast at gmail.com. Help us reach a wider audience of horror fans by leaving a review on iTunes or by sharing a link on social media. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash Stay spooky.